Okay, if you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew. John's um, got a sick kid, so he's not here today, and we're combining. All right, so Matthew chapter 2. So I thought I'd switch it up. We've been doing the book of Acts, and I thought, well, let's just switch it up a little bit. A new and different blessing. So starting at chapter, I mean, at verse 1, who would like to read down through verse 12? Matthew chapter 2. Uh-huh. So verse 1 down to and through 12. One to twelve. Mm-hmm. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. We three kings of Orient are, was it kings that came? Was it three? Anybody have any thoughts on that? It says wise men. It doesn't say how many. It could be three, it could be more. Why was it thought to be three? Because of the three gifts. That's right, because of the frankincense, gold, and myrrh. So, yes, over time, people thought, oh, these must be kings. Well, it says nothing about kings, it says about wise men. And they came from the east. So Jerusalem is here, and east of Jerusalem is Babylon. So can anybody think of someone who lived in Babylon who was a wise man? Solomon, he he was not that wise. He had a lot of wives. (laughs) No pun intended. That's right, Daniel. Daniel was in captivity in Babylon. And because he interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, 
And the other wise men, the many soothsayers, seers, they call them seers, could not interpret the dream. Daniel even pled for their lives. And so Nebuchadnezzar made Daniel head of all the wise men. He made him a prefect over the area. Daniel was a very good Jewish boy. Remember, he would not bow down. He would not eat the food. So Daniel, you wonder if these wise men, because it doesn't tell us anything. But just think about this. These wise men, did they hear about this God of Israel? Maybe they heard about the scriptures, about the prophecy of a coming king. Now, where would they have heard those prophecies? So, before I go to where the prophecy, I believe, is one of the most wonderful prophecy, let's talk about the star. It says, his star. Not just any star. So what did his star look like? You can only imagine. Was it a comet? Was it a conjunction of two planets that converged and became so bright in the sky that it looked like a special star? You know, from my perspective, for a star directed to a point, I would think it would have to be loaded in the ground or something because, you know, following a star is like trying to find the end of the rainbow, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> it would have to yeah. be something more direct, closer to the earth or something. And it would have been stationary, so I mean, and not really move. I mean, where it stays in the same location. Because you can look at a star, <laughs> same star. That's exactly right. Huge, something huge to, yeah. you know, to guide them, almost like how the sun was guiding them through the desert in the day and the moon by night. So something to direct them. Yeah, a star, if you look at a star and it says the star was over him, if it was a real star, all they'd have to move is 50 yards this way and that star isn't over him anymore. So this had to be a special event some people say it might have been a supernova. That's where a star explodes and becomes bright in the sky. I mean, I read all kinds of uh, uh, theories on what this star was, but nobody really knows what it was. I don't know if it happened in the east. It showed up in the east and directed the wise men to where Jesus was. I don't know. It doesn't say. But, but it had to have been something that was super magnificent because really the wise men didn't reach him because he was almost to the age of two. So it had to stay there for a very long time for them to they still well, stop and ask for directions when they got close. <laughs> <laughs> who said that? <laughs> right, and who else saw it? Did everybody else see it? It doesn't sound like they did. We saw the movie. Oh, okay. Friday night. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's right. called The Journey to Bethlehem. Oh, it's kind of a... Is that a musical? 
it has music in it yeah. and it has different things, but uh, it showed several, like the shepherd boy saw the star and the light, the way they interpret it. Yeah, that's the way they interpret it. It was a God thing that star was. It was a God thing, we know that for sure. Yeah. We know that for sure. Okay, so let's go to the book in Numbers. We're going to read some scripture out of Numbers. Numbers. Seems to be a very, I don't know, tedious book. But there's some really good stuff in the book of Numbers. We are going to start reading from, I'm going to read a little bit as we go along. Um, I'm going to start by giving you a background. So 22 is where I'm going to start reading from. So the Israelites have come through the Red Sea. Do you think these people of this land did not hear that story? Oh, we know they did. We're talking about a million people leaving Egypt and they're marching across the promised land, capturing, as the Lord told them to capture, different territories. They've just captured and beaten the Amorites, and now they're coming into Moab. So in 22, the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan at Jericho, and Balak, the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was in great dread of the people. I can imagine they were in great dread. And I'm just going to skip down a little bit. Verse 4, 22. You're losing me today. Maybe I'm you maybe just listen for a little while. <laughs> So <laughs> Balak says, this horde will now lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to Balaam. Now I know Balak and Balaam, the way I remembered it is Balak ends with a K, that's the king. Balaam ends with M, that means he's a messenger. He's a seer. He's a prophet. He's a false prophet. We'll see how God uses him. All this is going to come together, I hope, at the end of this. This, I believe, the Holy Spirit gave me this message. I really believe this. But so, it's going to be a little tedious, but I think it's very interesting. It is the Word of God, after all, right? So... Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and they are dwelling opposite me. This is Balak talking. Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So what does Balaam say? down to nine. And God came to Balaam and said, 
who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Down to 12, God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning, and he said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the princes of Moab rose, and they went to Balak, and they told him that Balaam refuses to come. Once again, Balak sent more princes, more money. Again, go curse these people. And Balaam says, even if you give me all the silver and gold you've got, I cannot curse what God has blessed. This is a great message, people. <laughs> yeah, you can't curse, but God is blessed. And we're a blessed people, right? We cannot be cursed. Okay, so then let's go over here to verse 12. Uh, no, let's see. Not 12. 20. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men have come, if the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you. So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey, and he went with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Well, now, isn't that kind of strange? Because God said, go with them, and then he was angry because he did. Yeah, that's a little strange to me, but you know, I was thinking about when my kids have said, please, mom, let me go, let me go, and they drive you nuts, and you finally say, okay, go, but you're still angry at them because you didn't really want them to go. You know, I was a weak parent, what can I tell you? I might let them do something that I really didn't want them to do if it wasn't to their detriment. So I don't know if this is what this means, but Verse, it's a little confusing. Um, verse 12, he already told him Say again. In verse 12, he had already told him not to go. Mm -hmm. He told him not to, and then he told him to. He told him to, and then he got angry because he did. And then the angel of the Lord took his stand. Ooh. The angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? Michael. Okay, Brady. Whenever you see L-O-R-D in caps, it's always referring to the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Jesus right here. Now, the rest of the story is very interesting. So would someone like to read from verse, hmm, start right after, Start reading from 22 and read all the way down to, let's try down to 30, through 30. Would someone like to read that from 22 down through 30? God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and he and his two servants were with him. When the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, 
and her sword drawn in her hand. Gad turned aside out of the way and went to the field. And Balaam smote the ass and turned her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, and walked in Joseph's side and draw a necktie. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where he there was no way to turn either right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled and smote the ass with the staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass? Upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was I was thine unto this day. Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Okay, you wonder how in the world this is going to refer back to Matthew. We're going to go on through the story. I think this is um, just interesting. I I thought because uh, Christ shows up in the scripture. I'm going to be pulling it together here. So what does Balaam do next? He goes with Balak to uh, the mountain Aram, from Aram Balak, that is where it was. And he takes him up to this mountain and he says, I want you to curse these people. And again, they look out. Now, what I want you to see is from this mountain, by then, it's been told that there's probably three million Jews that are traveling across, counting women and children. He can see a portion of them because there's so many of them that from that mountaintop, he can see a section of them. He goes to, he said he won't do it. He goes, takes him, he said, well, maybe you'll do it if you come up here. So he takes him to another mountaintop and he can see another portion. Now, I don't know, these mountains are big mountains. He takes him falling to a third mountain, and he looks out, and this is what he sees, and this is in chapter 24. Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. So you know there's 12 <coughs> tribes of Israel. So he's seeing the tribes. Now, from at the top of that mountain, what he's seeing is the tabernacle is in the center. One tribe is here, and within that tribe, they're, they're insignias. So there's the tribe of Judah. Over here is the tribe of Ephraim. Over here is Reuben. And over here is Dan. Now, within each of these tribes or, you know, all of the tribes of the 12 tribes. But these are the main insignias, Judah, Ephraim, Reuben, and Dan. And from up there, what do you think they saw? A cross. 
they see the cross from up there. These 12 tribes with the tabernacle in the center. Now, Balaam is given his last prophecy. He says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not now. Bless. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. This is the star prophecy that we see in Matthew. What, what verse are Say again. 17? No, uh, 17. 24, 17. Okay. That's this. Say again. What chapter? This is chapter 24. Numbers 24. Yeah, Numbers. 24, 17. The scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. That sounds like Seth. But there's actually a place called Sheth in uh, that area, Moab. Edom, who's Edom? Who, what tribe did, or what people did the Edomites come from? Esau. Edom shall be dispossessed, Seir also. In other words, there's going to come a day when the stars shall rise the scepter is always a sign of royalty, of kingship. And he will, in then times, crush all the enemies of his people, right? So all that is right here. It's talking about his birth and what he's going to do through his crucifixion and resurrection. All right, let's, let's see where did I want to go. Ruth, there's a possibility that God's anger was kindled against Balaam. Because Balaam's intentions changed. That's and right. And once it, he told him to go and do only what he tells him to, yeah. then he started to think about all this money coming in and everything. That's right. And he's headed in that direction. Yes, and you will see that if you read on in chapter 31, which we won't because it's not part of this, but Balaam... It looks like he was for God because he refused to curse the Israelites. But what he ended up doing was deceiving the Israelite men by talking about these beautiful women that these Moabites had. And they went and did you know, some, some bad stuff with these women. And because of that, actually... Balaam was, was killed in chapter 31. And you'll see him mentioned throughout Scripture. In Revelation, it talks about Jesus was talking to one of the churches. You're going the way of Balaam. So Balaam wasn't a good guy. It looks like he was to this point, but he ended up really showing his true colors because he was really after money, like you said, Jim. Really, it was about money and, and power. So he ended up in a bad way. So, all right, let's get back to Matthew. Mm -hmm. 
You know what I was hoping to show is that here is, I wanted to talk a little bit about the tribe of Judah. So don't go to Matthew, I'm sorry. Let's go to Genesis 49. So Jacob is dying and he's calling his son forward and he's speaking about what they will do in the future. So he says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first fruits of my strength, but you're unstable as water. So you're not gonna be the preeminent one. So then he calls in, I'm not gonna read all these, but the one I wanna pay closest attention to is Judah. Your brothers shall praise you your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. Judah is known as the lion. In Revelation, it's, it mentions the lion of Judah. So who is the lion of Judah? That's right, Jesus is the Lion of Judah. So when they looked down on that camp and they saw Judah, they saw the Lion and there he was there. He's in the people, the people of Judah coming forth and we see him then being born in Matthew 2. So what I want to show is that God had, he's got this story that he starts back in Genesis with Jacob, or even before that, Adam and Eve. But here he brings these people forth. They're looking down. They see them camped. They see them trying to be destroyed. But God says, no, you Balaam, you cannot curse what I have called blessed. I've got a purpose. Here come these three million people all the way into Matthew. And here comes a baby that's being born, the Lion of Judah. All through history, even their captivity by the Assyrians, by the Babylons, Babylonians, and then by Persia coming in. And like Daniel, never left Babylon. But God is a covenant-keeping God, and he brings forth the savior of the world being born as a baby this lion of judah being born as a baby so how many years from num this numbers to matthew when it started oh golly at it least is. i would say from there maybe 1400 years or more but here god he has a plan he's got a plan for us for our lives we may not see it now. We may be going through some real trials, but he's a covenant-keeping God, and that's what I wanted to show through all this, is that he travails with us, even when we turn away, as the Israelites turned away, and that's why they went into captivity, because of that. Daniel never came back into Jerusalem, into Israel. He stayed in, in Babylon. 
And so did many of the Jewish people stayed in Babylon. They became part of that culture that some of them didn't want to leave. And some of them turned to the gods of those people. But God says, here he comes, Matthew. And Matthew, the Savior. I'm going to redeem all this stuff, all these failures of my people who've turned away from me. Here comes this baby. The star comes and lights the way. It's like a metaphor for how he lights the way for us. He brings us back into covenant. So if you feel like he isn't seeing what you're going through, what you're suffering, and I know some of you are really suffering, your loved ones are suffering, and you're seeing them go down this really dark path, but he's with you. He's got a plan. I sound like a preacher. I can't help it. I was so blessed by this. I, I, can't, I couldn't believe that he was showing me all this. And his promises, they will never leave or forsake us. I know some of you have to leave in a minute. I feel so impressed to pray again. Will you indulge me? Will you indulge the Lord? Lord, we call upon you and we ask, Lord, that you give us peace that surpasses understanding, even in the midst of our sorrow, our pain, our disappointments. Those things that are unspoken, we cannot even share with another person. So it runs so deep. Even in our failures, Lord, when we failed you, when we failed our loved ones, when we failed ourselves, that you say, come unto me, all ye who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I just pray, Lord, you bless each person in this room. I ask you to forgive me where I failed you in this study. If I didn't reveal how much you love each person in this room. So much so that you became a man. You became a, a baby. You came from glory to this earth to redeem us from ourselves, from our sin nature, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for that eternally. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I know that I shouldn't be finished now, but I wanted to hurry up and finish it so those that have to leave could hear the good news of it. So anybody have anything they'd like to offer? It's also interesting to me that Jesus' language is a woman my namesake. What a beautiful story that is. How he is the redeeming God. 
So, interesting. I wanted to finish it, so I finished it quickly, but there were some things. For instance, hello. In the book of Matthew, Jesus, the Lion of Judah, reveals Jesus as king. In the book of Mark, Ephraim, the ox, Jesus is the suffering servant as an ox gives up his life for sacrifice. In the book of Luke, he's a man. <laughs> he's the eagle in John. The eagle that comes down with swift judgment. So, let's talk about something else. <laughs> Anybody have any ideas about what this Christmas means to you? Some of you know about a lady in my neighborhood who I've been praying for, who has Parkinson's. She's got two master's degrees. She's written medical journal articles. The lady is absolutely brilliant. Her life was um, totally upended with this Parkinson's. For nine years, she's been suffering with this. So the other day I went down to visit her because she's not even able really to get out. So I went down to visit her and she said, I just met with a new doctor. I've been trying to get into my doctor for three years and I keep getting this nurse practitioner and I don't like her. She does, she's short with me and she went on like that. And I know because I've been visiting her for these three years. So she said a new doctor came into the practice and he had an opening. The doctor, her neurologist, had no openings for, I don't know, six months. Ridiculous. She sees this new doctor who just came in, and he looks over all of her records, and he says, you don't have Parkinson's. She's broken her hip from taking too much dopamine. So with Parkinson's, you don't have enough dopamine that cause your body, especially with movement, well, everything, everything's affected. She doesn't have Parkinson's. She let me read the report. Now I've been praying for her faithfully every day for this lady because I've seen her, I visited her. At one point she had sticky notes all over the place telling her what to do next. It was really something. 
she was ready to sell her house and move into a nursing home. The report said, I read it from this doctor, you do have a neurological condition, but it's curable. Can you imagine how angry you would be? You've lost so much. She had to quit her job. She had a very <clears throat> prestigious job at Children's Hospital. She had to quit it because of this Parkinson's. So what happened is they were giving her dopamine when she didn't need dopamine. So they gave her too much. So did that cause some of the symptoms? Yes, yes, it caused every one of them. And also the brain thinking you have that. So oh. Then you start to believe it. Yeah. She is so, well, I wouldn't say angry because she is so blessed that she doesn't have Parkinson's. But her daughter, her daughter who hasn't been able really to do much with her mother because her mother's been kind of psycho because of all this dopamine. It's just, she's very angry. Now she's not a believer, but now Maria is a believer. But the first time I met Maria, my gosh, it was the angriest person I ever met in my life. It was God who did this and her mother treated her so terrible and on she would go. She came to the Lord and she said to me when I met with her, I should be angry, but she said, I look at it like this, Ruth. This Parkinson is what led me to the Lord. This covenant keeping God who takes and upends the disasters in our lives. Hang on to the hope because it's there. He's there. Don't give up and don't blame him. Don't blame him. Just know that he's working all things together for our good. He is for those that are called according to his purposes. And if you're here, you're called. And I believe that. So that's my message for today. And thank you all for listening to me. God bless each one of you this Christmas season. I pray for your knee. I pray for Becky. I pray for John. Thank you, Ruth. You're welcome. I'm going to tell you that my, for those of you, I know some of you have to go, but those that don't, my daughter, Eve, had leukemia and she was dying. I told some of you in my class, but she got a bone marrow transplant. She came so close to dying within 24 hours. She, she was gone. The doctor said if she has one of these complications, she had all seven that he said any one of them could kill her. And yet I just stood at her bedside and I said, Psalm 91 over he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my strength in him, my trust. I just kept praying that over her. She's fine today, nine years later. But as she gave her testimony, she said, God healed me, but I am going to die. 
He healed me for a time, but I am going to die. And that is so true. Of course it is. You know. But if, you know, any one of you lose your loved ones, you know that if they know the Lord, you're going to see them again. All right. I know I cut this short. Anybody want to tell a, a testimony of how God has blessed you in your life? I know you want to. I can just feel it. <laughs> well, my mom has good news. She's finally doing a lot better. Okay, I didn't know your mom. Who is your mom? She's, been, she's on her third bout of chemo and everything. Oh. Of course, she was basically giving up and she wasn't eating. Discharge. Discharge. Uh -huh. They stopped. She ate. Got home. Ate more. She's just like my appetite's coming back. Taste buds coming back. And this light coming back into her face. So oh, that's crazy. Just <laughs> so she's home now. She's home now. Oh, she good. Just the time to see them. And she's eating. Oh, oh wonderful, so wonderful. Yeah, it's one day at a time, isn't it? So I'm looking at the big picture. When we look at the big picture, we get discouraged. We gotta look, even if you've got someone that's really sick, if you can look at, can they, can they eat today? Well, maybe they can't eat, but can they drink today? Really, you have to get down to the minutia to keep faith sometimes, to keep encouraged, not so much the faith. But what can I do today? Don't look at, is he going to be here next year at this time? You can't do that. And then see the blessing in this day. It may not look good. Satan may be coming against you, but remember, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can speak. That's what the scripture says. Speak that which is not as if it was. So you can speak into existence the things that God wants for your life. Now, anyway. So, Keith, would you like to close in prayer? Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Thank you for this time we've had. Pray, thank you, Lord, for the room. Just pray, Lord, to be with our smiling as they sing during the message of music song. Pray that you just continue to be with Brother Pete and as he leads the church. And ask the Lord to be with all those mentioned this morning, sick, suffering, injured. And just pray that you watch over us all that in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pete.